I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're back. We're live on YouTube. The chair's squeaking. There might be some buzzing, but we're ready to go. No, we're ready to go because it's edge defender time. I hope there isn't buzzing. We've literally torn this building apart. There's not. For the There's not. The buzzing. The audio's back. We're ready to go. I don't, again, I don't know how the, the, the squeaking's annoying me. I don't know if it's doing that for you. Uh, quick reminder, tomorrow's the biggest show in podcast history. Yes. How's yes. that? That's good. Any podcast. Good roganing. Any genre, it's us. How do you say genre in genre? Irish? Yeah. How do you say it in Irish? You yeah. Mean like an accent rather than... I don't know. You, it's you, a French word. Queen's English, you always correct me on stuff. There's no way you pronounce that the same way we do. Genre. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a French word, so we're all theoretically oh, adopting, I figured you, I figured adopting you just, their pronunciation. I figured you just made something up. Creating your own. Uh, so we're going to do some rankings. It's edge defender time. Yeah, there's some. Uh, there's a lot of players. A lot of people talking about the uh, the edge defender class being being really deep, and I think the consensus board has something like twelve to fifteen on there. I didn't get the final count. Yeah, my I, consensus. Board. I think it is deep. It's it's an interesting group. Um, again, like this draft. This draft across the board seems to be very strangely composed when it comes to where the talent is. There's a few guys at the top that I really like, and then there's like. 10 guys that I don't want any part of that are going to go in the low first, high second, maybe even the third round. And then there's like a ton of guys. This edge defender. You're yes, talking about the edge that I love as yeah. projects. But that's kind of the same with a lot of these positions where you're like, love a few guys up top, then don't like anybody for a while, and then love a whole bunch more. Like wide receiver was a little bit like that, where nobody likes the top of this class. But once you get past a certain point, it's like, give me them all. Give me all the picks from 100 to 200. That's where I want to select players. Maybe uh, maybe 75. Yeah. Around 75. That's why you love the Rams draft. Love the Rams draft. Mm. They're going to get all sorts of players that we love in the fifth and sixth round. PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day or draft night. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Talk. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <coughs> this will be a top 10 ranking, I believe, from each of us and some sleepers. Uh, I'm not choking. I'm good. Yeah, okay. What Smooth. if we were like a real live show <coughs> and I did this every time? I mean, you kind of do. Not every time, but the, the frequency with which you've done that is quite staggering relative to the number of times we've been sitting in these chairs. Just a little food <clears throat> stuck. For example, I think, I mean, how long, how many years have we been doing this podcast? I think that's happened to me once. You, it's I like, average a couple per year. Yeah, at least. Yeah. It's like, so <clears throat> how, uh, Good this is a hell of a tangent, but how often do you get hiccups? Uh, not often, actually. So my wife and daughter get hiccups a lot, like multiple times a month maybe several times a week depending on the thing i can like i get once a year maybe twice a year i can remember like the individual occasions that i got hiccups because it happens so rarely they're like constantly getting them that's like you with the choking 
Yeah, always at it. Yeah, fair. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, unlike your your wife's hiccups. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> let's talk edge defenders. Okay. Uh, let's um, let's start theoretically. Yeah, more than the hiccups. What's that? More edge rusher more than hiccups. Is that the that's what we're shooting for? Uh, yeah, something like that. What are we doing? Um, let's discuss. We went through this stretch. Just in the PFF era, we've seen both Boses, Miles Garrett, uh, Chase Young was this was a prospect at that level. Um, we've seen TJ Watt come in. So by my numbers, the way I'm judging it, we've seen five elite edge defenders come into the league. Guys that have played at, a, at an elite per season level on average for their entire career. And it's the, it's the two Boses, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and then Max Crosby by mm. these numbers have just per season looking at war per season did in, in prior to pff grades being available we saw von miller come in khalil mack jj watt however you want to describe him edge he was started as an interior player whatever but we've we've kind of hit a lull of the elites over the last couple of years as far as uh, edge defender goes there's a whole bunch of good solid players that have come in but has that skewed our – like, we said the same thing about Aiden Hutchinson last year. Like, hey, the numbers love him, but he's not the Boses or, or Garrett. And we might be saying the same thing about Will Anderson this year. Yeah. Did those guys skew our perception a little bit, and now we've settled into this run where you're going to get – you can get good, solid edge defenders, but you're not going to get these elite stars. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime this is like the conversation of there's no Jamar Chase in this draft class, you know, as if that's a reasonable bar to set in the first place. Like, the idea of – there's no Bosa in this draft class. There's no, um, there's no, you know, Miles Garrett in this draft class. I mean, sure, there probably shouldn't be. You know, we're talking about literally the best edge rushers in the NFL. That's not a reasonable expectation that the best player coming out of college in a given season at a specific position will end up being one of the best in the NFL. That that feels like a just an unrealistic bar to be setting. So, yeah, I think expectation should probably be that the best player at a position in the draft is probably only going to be a good NFL starter, not a great one. It also makes me rethink, we, we always, edge defenders always get mocked high, and it, it, we've, you've, you've mentioned this before, like, why can't you put a cornerback at number one? Yeah. In hindsight, last year, should Sauce Gardner have gotten number one? Not because of the fit or the team, just because he's the best non-quarterback and he should have gotten number one, right? Yeah. Sauce Gardner, cornerback. But we're more likely to do it with edge defenders, which I think makes sense. When Miles Garrett is there, when Abosa is there, they are the safest because they're the easiest to project and not just project a good player, but a great player. And But we haven't had that over the last couple of years, but we still put a bunch of edge defenders in the top 10 mix. And I'm wondering if that's really what well, we should do. I think the argument against the cornerback thing is the the safety and the certainty aspect of it. So, yes – Taking an edge rusher is like, – so Sauce Gardner should have been the number one pick last year, I think. And we, we did make the argument a few times during that process that that should have been a bigger conversation, that why are we talking about Trayvon Walker versus Evan Neal versus uh, Aiden Hutchinson? Why are we not bringing the cornerbacks into the conversation? But critically, we were using the term cornerbacks multiple. Yeah. And Sauce Gardner came in and was an all-pro and looked like the best cornerback in the league in year one. Derek Stingley, who let's not revise history, was, you know, this was a, essentially a coin flip. We love both those guys. They were both elite cornerback prospects. 
Derek Stingley year one was getting lit up. Now, it wasn't maybe as bad as the grade or the production looked. He was in tight coverage for a lot of that time, and I think the potential for him is still there to be really good. But if you look at that as a sort of binary equation, one guy was a star, the other guy was not, and very was not year one, um, it's, it's probably a safer bet to take the edge rusher most of the time because as much as you might miss, certainly when you're reaching for a guy that hasn't had production at college, but if you take a guy with Aiden Hutchinson's profile, say, you know, really good college production, bordering on elite of elite, has the measurables. The only real knock on him was the stumpy T-Rex arms, right? So that's a pretty clean prospect to be taken at the top of the draft. I think that will have a much better strike rate than the top cornerback prospect, even if the payoff for the corner hitting is way better. That's the equation, though. It is, I mean, it, it is like trading stocks, right? You've got yeah. – you have safer, you have more volatile, you – you have confidence levels and all that stuff. We had a higher confidence level in Aiden Hutchinson, but if you if you listen to our podcast last year at this time, we did a whole bunch of that. He's not the greatest. He's not the best, but we feel the, the best about Aiden Hutchinson but, or even Kayvon Thibodeau right, hitting right. as players. Trayvon Walker was like the, the home run swing that the Jags made last but year. But I do agree that it should be a bigger conversation consistently. Like, if you want to come down on the side of the edge rusher safer, we want to go that route anyway, fine. But it should definitely be getting talked about more like we just seem to default to the idea that a corner can't go number one or a wide receiver for that matter like if there is a Jamar Chase in a given draft class that guy should be in the conversation we're going number one overall absent of the quarterbacks like if that you know if we're in one of those drafts where quarterback is not going number one we have to decide who is it's always edge rusher offensive tackle why are we not talking about corners and wide receivers and I think the argument is even better for a wide receiver at this point because I think the safety is more than than the cornerbacks. Like, we're getting pretty good at spotting these elite wide receivers coming at this stage. All right, man, you ready to get into the rankings? Yeah. Uh, we did this last time. So last time we did this with corners. Uh, you and I have not seen each other's lists. Blind. Uh, blind lists. Uh, and we both just kind of like went through our ones and twos and we'll, we'll see where there's crossover and all that stuff. So you can start it. Who is your number one edge defender? Yeah, it's Will Anderson. Oh, there's, no, there's no drama. No. Me too. Yeah. Some people don't have Will and Anderson. And it should be. I mean, I, you know, we thought this from the sort of first viewing and from just general tape watching, et cetera. And when you go back and you look at them all one after the other, it it's Will Anderson and there's no conversation for anybody else. There really isn't. He's head and shoulders better than anybody else in this draft class. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think, I mean... Look, there is, I think, when you start doing rankings, there's a, there's a little bit of contrarian in everybody, you know? Nobody wants to just do the same thing as everybody else. People like, people like liking things that are different. And I know that I have a degree of that, I think, more than the average person. I like strange things, you know? I like unusual things. I like things that not everybody is loving. If you hear endless hype about a movie that everybody loves, my natural inclination is to not want to love it, you know? So I was looking for reasons to be lower on, on Will Anderson. And as well, because he's, he's got a little bit of that concern from a data standpoint. He's not quite where the Boses were or where even Aiden Hutchinson was. And so I was kind of looking for reasons to go, can I, you know, can I justify dropping him out of this number one spot? And you really can't. Like, he's just so much better than everybody else. He does, as much as this, he might not have a Bosa type of profile, he still has the best statistical profile, essentially, in this draft class, yeah. particularly when you pair it to the size, athleticism, movement skills, all those kinds of things. And I'll give you some numbers on that, too. I mean, Will Anderson's one of the best run defenders we've seen. 
since we started this thing. Number two per play run defense grade um, since 2014. The people that are dropping that him, I don't think they're purposely being contrarian. Uh, Chris Sims, look, we had him on the show. He yep. has Tyree Wilson number one. He's not purposely being contrarian. He Certainly. just he sees what he sees. And I'll say this too. I'm only lower on Tyree Wilson. We'll get to it. I'm only lower because I'm looking at numbers that are taking into yeah, account yeah. his entire career. And right. if you just watch the film from last year, it doesn't take contrarian to say Tyree Wilson's doing some things that maybe Will Anderson's not doing. And, you know, that's how you kind of get to that conclusion. I certainly think most people that have weird rankings are well-intentioned. I also think there are other people that just want to be <clears throat> indie, you know? That yeah, yeah that's be, fine. They want to be different. It. And it's like, oh, I can't have can't have the same thing as everybody else. Nobody's going to notice. I got to put out some weird ranking. I I know. Look, I I hmm, I'm not going to say I get Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson. I don't really. I don't I, get it. But I mean, I I understand how people get to it. I maybe. Guess. Maybe but that's me getting. There are also rankings out there that have Will Anderson like four or five, and that's just I don't get that. That's part. just absurd. Like I cannot. You know, remember we talked about it yesterday with tight ends. I can't actually get into the headspace that would put Dalton Kincaid four or five in this tight end class. Same with Will Anderson. I cannot get to a headspace that would put Will Anderson four or five in this edge rusher ranking. Like, I, I, can't, I can't accept the number of things you would have to overlook or not care about to reach that conclusion. Like, I think at that stage, again, it's the draft. It's a crapshoot. Nobody knows anything. But it feels like you're willfully shooting for the 100-to-1 the to shot to make that Call, you know. So what I mean? our friend, our friend Pete Prisco is in the middle of tweeting this right now. Tyree Wilson is going to be a star. I take him over Will Anderson. Yep. So I'm going to give you some numbers that say otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Will Anderson using the draft model, which has a very good success rate, obviously. Uh, Will Anderson's the only player, the only edge defender in this class above the 90th percentile. That is a very strong cutoff for finding elite players. Yeah. Uh, the last here are the last few first rounders above the 90th percentile. Last year, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. 2021, Jalen Phillips. He has become, he's, and he's been the best edge defender from that class. Yeah. 2020, Chase Young. 2019, this one's interesting because I had different, differing opinions at the time. Montez Sweat, going backwards here. Montez Sweat, Cleveland Furl. Furl. Actually was over the 90th percentile really? now. And Nick Bosa. Prior to that, you've got TJ Watt, Hassan Reddick. If we projected him as an edge, Miles Garrett, Shaq Lawson, Leonard Floyd, Joey Bosa, and then the first year, Vic Beasley and Dante Fowler. Yeah. So you might say, well, Beasley's bad and Cleveland Farrell's bad. You're talking and Dante about a one-time NFL sack leader there, sir. You did, did lead the NFL in sacks. He's now one. in the XFL, right? I saw think him, he is, yeah. I saw him in a game this weekend somewhere or last weekend, whatever the hell I had one of those random-ass leagues that's currently playing right now. By the way, the uh, the – XFL St. Louis Battlehawks led by not led offense led by uh, Bruce Gradkowski, BFFer. They're uh, they're one of the better teams. I saw them number one in the power rankings recently. Bruce's yeah, Bruce's squad. And that was before they lost the game. So you know, but still they're doing well. I mean, he's got the best quarterback, right? AJ McCarron was by far the best quarterback. That was sir. You that's uh, that's some Ben DiNucci erasure that's going on right there. Oh, sorry. Ben was going on. No, forget it. Stop getting me off the rails here, man. I'm bringing some good data to the table, and you just brought it to the XFL. It's where What's it your deal, man? Like, it Crisco's just tuned in because I, he wants to hear our takes. I just lead where the information points me, and that there pointed me to the XFL. I'm just saying, I've got some strong data that says Will Anderson Carry on. Is, is not only the safest, but also the most likely to become a star. Yes. And that's with all the caveats that, look, his pass rushing grade 
compared to Aiden Hutchinson and, and these other guys, it's not as good. Mm-hmm. It's about 65th percentile among uh, NFL prospects yep. since the last few years. But the run defense profile strong. The pass rush is good enough. Um, Will Anderson's the safest and best player, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. You mm-hmm. can I, I can make the argument for Jalen Carter as far as best defensive player, but I think at edge, it is very clearly Will Anderson. Uh, the data likes him a lot. Yeah. Because of his entire career, his entire body of work. So mm-hmm. Will Anderson, number one for me as well. Yep. I really don't have much on the negative side of his list. Um, he misses a few more tackles than I'd like to see, but like we're really nitpicking at this point. I didn't watch him for a while. I didn't watch him recently again. I had a pretty good feel for him. What did I, he has a lot did of I write plays. down anything interesting? Here? He has quite a lot of those plays. You know, where you sort of dive at a dude's ankles and, and grab like this. He does know? fall off to, yeah, 19, 19%, uh, 19% missed tackle rate. Yeah, but it, so when you dive at the guy and you sort of wrap like this, always, some, not always, a lot of the time somehow he seems to just miss. Like it, it, the guy's leg skips out of the, the yeah. wrap. Falls off too many tackles. Yeah. But pad level, short area burst, contact balance, independent hands, rip move. Look at you. All of it. Buzzwords. Yeah. A lot of buzz. A lot well, of did good you buzz. Have, uh, did you have appropriate levels of glass eating in there? Because that was a great Lanzerline one that, that I, I found the other day. What does that even mean? Glass eating. It's one of those like classic scout. It's like the five tool dude. You know, the, it's a proper old school scouting buzzword. Glass eater means gritty. You know, nasty. Great. <clears throat> Who's your number two edge, man? This is where it gets weird right away. You getting weird all the yeah. right off the bat? <laughs> weird right away. Who you got? Will McDonald, the fourth from what? I- Iowa State. He's your number two? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. He's really good. I was not expecting that. He has stupid levels of lateral quickness. Like can just sidestep a lineman before the lineman even moves. It's insane. He's got bend. He can sustain like a really tight angle around the hoop, you know, run the the edge, the the classic pass rushing thing. I'm a sucker for that, by the way. Remember last year I had Drake Jackson really high because he was he had the best oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I love lateral it. bend around the edge. That classic pass rushing thing that everyone wants to see. I love when you have a type. Um what else is he good at? He's just good at everything. Like, he's really good at hand work, like gets, gets blockers off him immediately, readjusts quickly, had a 92 pass rushing grade against true pass sets. So when he actually had a shot at making a play, it's a slightly weird defense there at Iowa State. It's that uh, 3-3 stack deal. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of adjust for that a little bit. I, I think he's one of the best pure pass rushers in this draft. Like, he's so good at passing, uh, rushing the passer. I can't stand when colleges do that. I'm just tweeting out that you're breaking the uh, the rankings right now. There's a lot of defenses that annoy me with their, how difficult it is to project I can't, where they're putting players. We've discussed this before. So, Will McDonald, um, not only, by the way, is he 237? Is yeah, that right? not ideal. Don't like it. So, you've got a guy who's 237. Mm-hmm. And if you put him in, like, the, you know, the wide nine, right? You just let yeah. him go. Right. Burst off the edge. It, that would be that would be the best usage. Yes. And then you get to the film, and it's like, why is he playing head up over the tackle? Yeah. We call that a four technique, four five technique, right? Depending on your shade. You He's just, playing. What? You're just bringing all the jargon today. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to explain to our uh, to our listeners. It's, it's fine. I love it. I like it. And and he, and that's a role that like old school. Like as I was retweeting uh, the 2001 draft last night, Justin Smith would mm. play. That's what a 290 pounder with crazy length is supposed to play. But Iowa State and others have guys that are 240 pounds playing that role. And what I can't figure out, 
is if they recruit players with one skill set and then put them into a different defense, or if they're like, oh, we didn't know Will McDonald was this guy that could be this elite wide rusher, but sorry, that's not the scheme we play. You're, you're here. You're at Iowa State where you have to play the role you're playing. Or, you're, or maybe he's just the best yeah. for technique on Iowa State's roster, which is nothing like what he's going to do at the NFL level. But all of it's, all of it's very annoying. I think it's, it's more the latter. It's like you recruit good players, you get good players, and then you figure out how they shoehorn them into your system. Like, if it's not his ideal fit, okay, fine, but this is what we run, and you're still better at it than the other guys because you were a good player that we recruited. So this is what happens. I'm, uh, you know, some people are asking about our Chris, uh, Chris Sims having Will Anderson at five. Yeah. I mean, I think that's crazy. I think that's I really do. I, I completely disagree with that. Again, I can, if people want to put Tyree Wilson one, I can at least follow the line of thinking to get there. I'm not following it with Will Anderson at five. No, like anything where Will I Anderson's can't. lower than two feels like a stretch to me, yeah. you know, but I, I, but I can understand where people might not absolutely be enamored with Will Anderson based yeah, off the of film. Again, I really can't get into the headspace that gets Will Anderson down as far as number five. And it's, isn't he, yeah. So he's got his rankings, Tyree Wilson, number one, Lucas Van Ness, number two, Nolan Smith, number uh, three, Will McDonald, number four, and those are all in the same tier. So it's Tyree Wilson, tier one, those three, tier two, and then Will Anderson at number five behind those guys. All right, so Will McDonald, I have him at six, just to Go forward okay. a little bit here. I have Will McDonald at number six. Um, I'm interested if if you're if you've come to this conclusion, you you're very much on an island here. I haven't seen anyone else have him that high. Is he the type of guy? Remember when Bruce Irvin went like 16th or yeah. something, whatever it was, to the Seahawks in 2012, uh-huh. and nobody had Bruce Irvin. Will one team say this? Like Will McDonald's skill set undersized but crazy athletic corner turns a corner extremely well maybe the best in the class doesn't exist with a whole lot of players in this will somebody love will mcdonald in the top 15 i mean we remember we were talking the other day about how i think there are going to be a few weird first round picks we were like whoa where did that come from you know um jonathan mingo was the guy in in pete traeger's mock but i think there's going to be three or four of those guys where nobody really expects it to happen, and he ends up going away. It wouldn't shock me at all if Will McDonald was one of those guys. Like, yes, 239 pounds is not great. It's unideal in terms of size. Having said that, he's 6'4 with, like, 35-inch arms. Like, he's got the frame to be heavier than that. And I, if he is, like, if he was 249 or, or you know, 255 or whatever, now you're talking, like, prototypical edge rusher size with that ability as well. I yeah, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if a team drafted him in the middle of the first round. Will McDonald almost thirty-five inch arms too. Like it, he does have a different body type. He's really long, mm-hmm. really shifty as far as the uh, three cone and shuttle time. Explosive as well. Like, Very explosive. I'm all that stuff. Here for it. He's also twenty-four. Shut up. If uh, he's going to be twenty-four here on opening day. Stupid age. Just saying. Don't care. I'm gonna if I'm gonna use it against Tyree Wilson later on. The dude later that's 25 and has no idea what he's doing. That's um, all right. My number two, which uh, flips, it flips every day. Oh, okay. I'm going Miles Murphy Ooh. from Clemson. Now, look, all these all these guys are different. You know, you and I try to make a point. Receivers, they're I, different I get styles, that. different types, and cornerbacks, different types. Miles Murphy, he's your power rusher, right? He is incredibly strong. Uh, he moves people, solid production. I was just talking to Renner upstairs about some of these guys and where we're ranking them. And he said with Murphy, 
you know, his question was like, man, he was so good as a freshman and he never really got better. Yeah. And then he said, well, that reminds me of Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Yeah. And then I said, well, that reminds me of Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, right? They all kind of came in, they're stars right away, and then they just kind of remain stars and maybe there's not massive improvement. Um, again, I, I think there's a big drop off as far like my confidence level in these players hitting, I'm extremely confident in Will Anderson. Yeah. I am, I've now lost confidence in the rest of the class. Um, it's a whole bunch of styles and types. And I, to me, you're chasing upside a little bit with all of these guys. And yeah. I'm saying that because the, all of the production profiles don't like have to get better, right? Yeah. These guys have to get better. Murphy's one of them. I just feel like he's one of the, I, I hate overusing the word safe, but he's one of the guys I think that projects easier than some of the others. I'm actually surprised that he hasn't had more kind of, absurd buzz because I agree with you 100%. You've got Will Anderson here who is the best and the safest of these these guys. After that, it's like it's a lot like the wide receivers. It's like what or the quarterbacks even. It's what are you scared of the least or what what thing do you want to bet on the most is probably a better way of looking at it. Like with Nolan Smith, you got a tiny edge rusher but insane athleticism and, and you know ability and those kinds of things. Miles Murphy He's like the prototype. He's giant. He's got incredible uh, athleticism. Like, he pops on tape. He's visibly way more explosive than a couple of these other guys. Like, he looks – when he gets it right, it looks like the Miles Garretts of the world. Like, it looks, oh, wow, how do you stop that? And then it just doesn't happen as much as you think it should. And it hasn't for, like, the last four years. Um, or, you know. So, i I kind of surprised that he hasn't had more of the Tyree Wilson, you know, hype train going off on him. And maybe it's just because it wasn't, you know, Tyree Wilson had the last year was his best year, which is an easy thing to get behind, whereas Miles Murphy last year wasn't his best year. But I, like, he's got I, – I 100% buy into the idea that if you're going to bet on one of these dudes, that's the guy to bet on because there's definitely a pathway for him to become like a top-tier NFL edge rusher. Uh, Murphy had – he ran a 4.57. Yeah. Uh, 40. It may be a little bit better than that, actually. I've got some – I don't want to explain. I've got some skewed numbers in here. I have some pro day adjustments that I'm looking at here, so I don't. I can't remember if that was. It's probably even faster if I'm if I'm giving you some misinformation. Um, but he actually worked out pretty well. Um, but like I said, power type of rusher. I said he I, I said he projects as kind of a Jason Pierre-Paul, Jadavian Clowney type. And so what that is, those are he's not that type of athlete. Either one of those guys necessarily. But those are guys who are always extremely good in the run game and were good, not great pass rushers. Um, I do think that the run game matters as far as uh, front seven run defense, especially as we play lighter boxes. That's why I also think a lot of my analysis might skew towards players who are like, you've got that foundation of pretty good against the run. I'm not just chasing pass rush upside or whatever. Uh, like maybe you did with Will McDonald. Like Will McDonald could have, not that you chased it, Will McDonald has on a per play basis and all these guys that are rumored to go in the first, like by far the best pass rush grade, Will McDonald. Yeah. The best. Um, so I get it. So I'm going for more uh, well-rounded players here, I would say. Whereas McDonald is a bit more of a projection in the run game. Okay. So we got different types. Yeah. So the other thing, by the way, is that if you look at, I mean, we've talked about it before, but Arif Hassan's uh, consensus board, that does have Miles Murphy at number 10 overall. He's been um, everywhere, man. He's been all over the I place. I know. It, it feels generally like the buzz on him has been way lower 
than a lot of people. And he's been talked about as a guy that's falling, who could slip to the end of the first round, could even slip out of the first round. But he is still number 10 on the consensus board, which is way ahead of Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, Will McDonald. Like, it's, it's significantly higher than those guys. So, like, maybe he is actually seen in that light. And for some reason, the, like, just the attention isn't on it right now. All right, so that's my two. You got Will McDonald two. I have yep. Miles Murphy two. Do you want to reveal where you have Murphy? I have Murphy at number four, but I have so it's if I'm doing the Chris Sims tiers, it's Will Anderson tier one, and then I would have McDonald, Nolan Smith, who's my three, Miles Murphy, probably Tyree Wilson as my second tier. So that's my that's my two through five. So Nolan right, Smith. So let's get your let's get your rankings back. Nolan Smith, board. Georgia, Miles Murphy, Clemson, and Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech are the next three in my list. That's my top five. Wow, right? you're going just dropping everybody in here. Well, I had already given those. So that's my that was my next tier, I would say. And then Tyree Wilson, that's my t- tier two. All right, let's discuss. I also have, I believe, yeah, Nolan Smith three. Yep. And Tyree Wilson five. Okay. So, yeah. But I have a different four. Yeah. So let's so discuss Nolan Smith. We flipped two and four. Yeah. Let's discuss uh well no, because I have I have McDonald six. I have a different oh, okay. four. Okay, okay. Van Ness in there. Gotcha. So let's let, Nolan Smith is your three and my three in our rankings. Nolan Smith from Georgia. Yeah. Um he's he's got some very sort of it's very entertaining tape because he's tiny, you know? Really, really small. He's a little bit like a pinball sometimes where he just starts like bouncing around between players trying to hit him and block him, like careening off contact and but he keeps going and he fights and he you know consistently bounces to the right place eventually energizer bunny type. yeah yeah um he's got moves for a guy that size like he's got a really good kind of push-pull ability for offensive linemen who have a dramatically longer reach than he does uh i think he's maybe less scheme diverse than a guy like miles murphy but right now he's a better player does that make sense yeah like more teams i think are probably interested in a guy like miles murphy because he could play in anything whereas right now nolan smith is the better player um really his only issue is the size and the sample size those two things like he's really small and because georgia rotates an absolute ton he's hardly played like he hasn't been on the field that much yeah, Nolan Smith, I, when I was watching him, I was like, hey, he he uses whatever length he has really, really well, yeah. long arm, and so technically sound. He doesn't have long arms or anything like that. It's actually below average arm length and below average wings, actually uh, about an average wingspan and all that stuff. He ran 4.39 at the combine, <laughs> just to add to it. So he's got he's got one of the best 10-yard, you know, the get-offs that we've seen um, over the last few years. You know, all that's to compliment a guy that's just just been really productive. And again, I think for a guy that's like I, I've seen Nolan Smith set a hard edge in the running game mm-hmm. far more than you've seen from say a Will McDonald, right? A guy that just hasn't had to had to he has to play a different role at Iowa State. So I think Nolan Smith can do all of your edge defender type of things. And I know we're well beyond the four three three four discussion. Yep. But it still kind of exists. You know, there are still teams that have. Um, you know, a five-man front, basically, as their base. Yep. And that's where Nolan Smith is going to be, you know, he's going to fit in better with Pittsburgh or, you know, the Bucks, the way they play. And they drop their edges into coverage a little bit more. Teams that do that are going to, like, there, there will be some teams that still think Nolan Smith is too undersized for their pure uh, three-down defensive end role. So I don't know if that means he drops or if he just, you know, if the right team is there. 
but I think he's just a really good productive player who can get after the quarterback at a good, not great level and, and be good enough against the run. Yeah, no, I like him a lot. I, I like him. I, I like this entire tier two, I think, are good players. I just have, it's a case of which thing are you willing to bet on, which thing are you scared by. His size and relative lack of playing time is just concerning. Like, so it is. <clears throat> let me get into some numbers for you. I looked up historically PFF data back to 06 mm -hmm. for guys that are under 240 pounds. So this is relevant to your number two and three guys and my number three here for both Will McDonald and for Nolan Smith. This is where the concerns would come in. Um, the best run defenders under 240 pounds since 2006. You have Andrew Van Ginkle from the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. You have Leonard Floyd. And Floyd's a completely different body type. He's just like a yeah. long, skinny, 240-pounder. Um, but he, could, he plays the run really, really well with that body type. Similar body type that played well against the run. Manny Lawson is up there. There's not a lot after that, though. Manny Lawson. Manny a, Lawson. That's Remember? a guy. That's a name. That's the, the Skywalker meme. That's a name I haven't heard. Like that's, He could be the Tyree Wilson comp. He's a comp actually. for a lot of guys in this draft. Yes. Manny Lawson, remembered that this was, what, 06 when his teammate... Mario Williams. Mario Williams goes number one overall. And I think NC State had, what, four defensive linemen all go in the first round? They had three or four. Yeah. John McCargo, I think, yes. went in there, too. But Manny Lawson was the guy that's like, he's long, he's fast, and all, like, projectable pass right. rusher. And he ended up being, like, a Sam hybrid linebacker, good, but solid he was the, player. he was the classic guy where, like, he's that tall, long, but undersized, like, un like lightweight. He's Mingo type. <laughs> Mingo, similar. He's on this list here. So there have not been a whole lot of undersized guys that are good against the run. There's only two guys with a PFF grade above 70 who are under 240 pounds. Um, so now, as far as pass rushers go, best since 06. You have Robert Mathis. We only caught some of his career. James Houston, just last year on 92 rushes. Uh, Chris Clemens, Hassan Reddick. Remember Antoine Barnes, really mm -hmm. undersized, good pass rusher. Andrew Van Ginkle again. And then you have guys like Arden Key, Leonard Floyd, Manny Lawson again. Dennis the Barbarian, Gardeck. You got him in there. Um, but th th there's, some, there's some good pass rushers in there. But so as much as I love Nolan Smith and I do like Will McDonald, they'd have to be on the outlier side here yeah. to have really good long NFL careers right. in both facets of and play. And it's like you said yesterday, there's just outliers everywhere in this draft. And again, you don't need to go down the list very quickly before um, like before you hit them. Before you hit, like, Will, or Will Anderson is your one guy that isn't the giant outlier. Everybody else is going to be an outlier essentially if they hit. Miles Murphy, maybe not so much, but like the other guys are going to be some form of outlier. It's, it's again, like wide receivers. There, there's not much in the way of guaranteed safety and then immediately you hit outliers jordan addison if he hits if he becomes you know isaac bruce 2.0 it's going to be an outlier nobody else has done that since isaac bruce the first like you know it like, it's it's kind of weird how this draft is just full of weird unusual body types speed size profiles whatever uh last year we saw nick benito he was about 240 similar you know we had run game concerns with him but he was an elite pass rusher mm -hmm. 240 pounds struggled as a rookie all the data likes him, but, you know, undersized and, and looks undersized. Yeah. I, I think Nolan Smith is better equipped to play as an undersized player because he's got that pop in his hands that yeah. reminds me of Von Miller sometimes and all that stuff. So there you go. And he's got, like, insane athleticism. Like, Benito was good, but – Yeah, and, and Nolan four, Smith four. is is a crazy good athlete. Yeah. Um, so your four is who again? Uh, That's my four is Miles Murphy. 
so you got Miles Murphy. So do you want to? We already talked about him. Do you want to add anything to Murphy? No, we, I reveal we, my four. I think we hit him. I'm going Lucas Van Ness mm. as my four. So my three is Nolan Smith. My four is Lucas Van Ness. And now we get into. I don't love it. I don't love any of them. But it's going to be. I'm going power rusher and the ability to move. And I think he could, you know, beat up on some guards with his power and, uh, you know, play the run on the edge and all that stuff. He's hasn't played a ton of football, but um, he's a good, solid player. Yeah, I am lower on Lucas Van Ness than most people. I I just don't see enough variety in what he does and how he wins. Um, and I also think I'm not sure he's a an edge rusher. Like he might be more of that interior style, you know, the the kind of old school three four long power power end, which is dying off. Like there aren't that many of those guys kicking around anymore. Most teams aren't using that as much as they used to. He's sort of, you know, like the the JJ Watt style of player, but then JJ Watt kicked all the way out. Like he's almost more of those old Steelers defensive ends, like Brett Kiesel, you know, that oh, that yeah. type of player. I think in today's NFL though, okay, you could play you could play some base end, right? If you if you put him up the old six technique, Sam, when he's head up on a tight end, those tight ends don't have much of a shot against Lucas Van Ness and his power yeah, and his he's length got crazy and all that power. stuff. Um, he also has he's got good burst and all that. I it's the natural, you know, turn it uh, turner uh, corner turning and is he actually gonna you know win with agility around the corner against an offensive tackle? Yeah. I don't know, but. I want. I'll get into this when we talk Tyree Wilson a little bit too. Different body types, I do think, make sense to kind of like stock up on your defensive line. You've got a guy that you can move around, right? He, I think he will give guards some problems with his low pad level and his in his bull rush. And I think when you do line him up outside, you it's not going to look like a Nolan Smith or a uh, Will McDonald turning the edge, but he could be a power rusher on the edge, compress the pocket a little bit. So again, I like Van Ness enough. He's solid. He's good. I don't think he's a great prospect. He's my four. Yeah, I think he has a fairly high floor. Like, the the power and what he's good at, he's really good at it. And that does play. Like, there's a space for that in the NFL. I just – he's the guy of this this group, and that's why he's out of this group for me, that I just don't think he has the ceiling that the other guys have. Like, I can't really picture a world where he becomes the kind of player that the other guys at least have the capacity to become, I think even if they never get there. Like, again, what are you betting on? I just don't think there's enough to bet on for Van Ness that I want to take him really high. He's got the uh, one of the lowest uh, snap totals. He's just he's played just over 1,000 snaps as a pass rusher and as a run defender and uh, played the run less than anybody else in this draft class. So he's inexperienced, too, for whatever that's worth, if that's something, you know, that we can uh, – that he could build upon hmm. with more experience. Yeah, and he's – look, he's How got – How low do you have Van Ness? Uh, where have I got him? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. He's my uh, he's my Christian Gonzalez of the edge rusher group. He's your guy. He's your one. He's your one big outlier here. I could I could I could be persuaded to bump him up a spot, but I wouldn't I wouldn't take him any higher than six. In this he's list. not Justin Smith. So I, when I was watching, well, he whole, might be. But the problem with Justin Smith is, like, let's say for a second that's what he is. Let's say for a moment that he is the, the reincarnation, not that Justin Smith is dead, but re- Justin Smith 2.0, right? Rest in peace. In today's NFL, what is that? Because he, Justin Smith came into the league. Nobody remembers who Justin Smith is. Okay, old defensive end for the Bengals and then the, the 49ers, right? Yeah. And he started off as a sort of 4-3 power edge rusher. 
and then moved to the 49ers who ran this old school 3-4 and he became the defensive end 3-4. And before J.J. Watt rolled around, we thought that was about as good as a defensive lineman could play at that kind of position. Early PFF days, right. he was the highest graded every single year. And then Watt came along and just like blew that into the stratosphere and completely reset the bar of like how good a guy can play at that position. But my point being, if you if Justin Smith came into the league in this draft, what is he? Because that position doesn't exist anymore, effectively. Early down edge and then interior pass rusher, nickel. He's right. playing three technique. He's playing three exactly. technique. Exactly. So that's the thing. He was yeah. he's been projected now. If Justin Smith comes into this draft, knowing what we knew about him as a player, we're talking about him in the Kalijah Kansi Adabare mold. Like that's what we think he is now. And does he have the same juice doing that as he did playing like traditional uh, you know, head up over the tackle type of three four end? I there were so there were two, as I was, uh, for those of you that were following along, I was tweeting through the 2001 NFL draft. I'm about halfway through the first round. We'll pick it up later on. Uh, Michael Vick draft okay. and everything. Gotcha. Michael Vick, Ladanian Tomlinson. I need the, I need the guy yeah. taking number one Michael to, Vick. to set my... Uh... Atlanta gave up the opportunity to get Vick. Chargers traded up. I also tweeted out last night the six-year stretch that the Chargers had of just interesting storylines at quarterback. <laughs> they drafted Ryan Leaf. Yeah. They had a chance at Michael Vick. Yeah. passed on that that same year they drafted drew Brees, and then a couple years later they drafted eli manning chargers legend traded him for philip rivers and then let drew Brees leave that's in a six-year stretch all of that happened for san diego mm-hmm. um, anyway the two lessons that i thought were interesting in the 01 draft justin smith scouts were very concerned about his 32 and a half inch arms mm. very concerned he still went number four overall and became a star yeah um and then leonard davis the monster tackle from Texas who became a guard for the Cardinals. Yeah. One thing that sold scouts was the fact that he shut down Justin Smith. I love in their those one-on-one stories. matchup. I love them. I'm just saying those are relevant because the arm length thing always comes up, but they're relevant too because next week all we're going to hear about is Darnell Wright shut down Will yeah. Anderson. But and like, that's going to be a positive for Darnell Wright and a negative for Will Anderson, and I don't think those 10 snaps actually matter yeah. in the grand scheme but of like, things. But really. um, Bryant McKinney made a career out of shutting down Dwight Freeney in college, right? When Syracuse yeah. played Miami in college, apparently Dwight Freeney was shut down by Bryant McKinney. I've, I'll be honest, I've never watched that tape. But given the way that Bryant McKinney was absolutely victimized by Dwight Freeney anytime they played in the NFL, I'm going to assume he didn't. And actually what happened is Dwight Freeney was given like extra attention by tight ends or whatever the hell else happened in that game. But it was not Bryant McKinney one-on-one shutting down Dwight Freeney. And yet that was used as like, look at this dude. You can shut down Dwight Freeney. Yeah, those things are fun. We'll have to go fire up some Syracuse uh, Miami film. Of course. From yeah. uh, what year would that have been? Uh, 01? Some, yeah, I think it's 01. Like, 02 like Freeney draft? All right, so we both have Tyree Wilson at number five. Is that correct? Yep. Tyree Wilson, who is projected to go in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Everyone else seems to have him as their one or two, and we both have him at yep. five. And I got to be honest. Why are you being a contrarian, Sam? I was expecting to have him ranked lower than this. Um, I I told you what I did for sort of methodology of ranking these guys. So I specifically left Tyree Wilson to quite late in the process. I was effectively going through what, like, more or less in order of like a consensus board ranking and watching them in that kind of order um, and then ordering them as I went. And I specifically left Tyree Wilson to later because I wanted to look at the bunch of guys that were in tier two, tier three, 
before I figured out where he was being slotted. Because I'm like, the only thing I'm really confident in right now is that Tyree Wilson belongs nowhere near Will Anderson. Like, they are dramatically different in terms of ability right now. So I was expecting to have Wilson ranked pretty low. But it didn't take long before I was like, okay, as much as I don't love him, he's better than this next guy, you know? And I, so I ended up slotting him at five. And I'm like, I can't, I can't really put him lower than that as much as I, I might not love. So the point being, you get pretty quickly in this draft to the point where I don't love taking an edge rusher. Like, if I'm a team that needs an edge rusher and I'm sitting, say, low in the first round – and let's say Anderson, you know, Nolan Smith, Miles Murphy, and in my case, Will McDonald are gone. I don't love it. Like, I don't, I'm scared by Tyree Wilson, yet I might end up taking him just because I'm scared more of the other guys. I think that's fair. Um, I've gone back and watched Tyree Wilson multiple times on yes. film just to, just to make sure I'm getting the full picture here. He is definitely one of those guys where I get it on film. Um, and again, I was just talking, to, just talking to Renner upstairs. I said, like, I could... I can like Tyree Wilson on film, especially his last season. Bend, dip, length, burst, tackle radius, love all that stuff. But he did it in his age 23 season. It was one breakout season that, to me, that doesn't, you don't have to take that in the top 10. That's my point that I think you're making as well. When I look at Tyree Wilson, I'm like, great, here's a, still a project with tons of tools that I would take in the 20s. Maybe. I mean, I, if, if I was just stacking a vertical board, I'd put him in the 20s probably. Whereas, you know, you know my theory, I've got data that just says, I probably would just let someone else take that chance. And it might pay off for them, but I would let someone else take that chance. I can go through that data really quick in a minute. But there's things to like about Tyree Wilson. But much like Trayvon Walker last year, I think it's a very similar situation where depending on which years you look at, and I'm looking at all of them, the production profile does not match any other first-rounder just doesn't right and that's risky to me and if you're just saying like the fact that his arms are 35 plus versus you know someone else's 33 inch arms like that's not enough to say oh he's going from pick 25 to pick eight that's not enough for me and I feel like that's what the move is yeah he's been I every time I watch his tape he reminds me of somebody and I can't really put my finger on who it is um this is not the player that he's reminding me of, but... Manny Lawson? No, but he did remind me a little bit of like a lankier version of Ray Edwards. You remember him, the old Vikings defensive end? Yeah, I don't remember Ray Edwards stylistically. It's like, I think he's going to win in the NFL. Like, you think he's going to get pressure and production. I'm just not sure he's going to win decisively. And like, Ray Edwards is one of those guys... The Vikings had a few of these, actually, for a while, where they had players that would get a lot of pressure, but not necessarily sacks. Ray Edwards was one. Brian Robison was another for different reasons. Um, I, I wonder if Wilson is going to end up being that guy. Like, I know actually his sack rate has been really good so far. But when you look at where he struggles, like, he's you got power. He's got a lot of straight line bursts, like linear. He's going to power through some people. Um, but it, it almost feels like the more space he's in, the worse he is. Yeah. And he seems to, like, there's definitely some uh, change of direction ability sometimes. Uh, like he has this, he's got a really good, so we use lateral agility, I think gets termed as sort of one all-encompassing thing. You either have lateral agility or you don't, and it's a yes or no thing. But actually, I think there's two different ways of having that. There is, do you have that like hard lateral step, like foot in the ground, one step, essentially a cut. Can you cut in a short space laterally? Or can you run that arc 
you know, can you turn tightly? Can you turn the corner tightly in that kind of bend? And I think he's good at the first one and bad at the second one. So there's sometimes where his turning circle looks like a barge. It's like, we, it, this is just not going to happen. But he's able to put a foot in the ground, just sidestep a guy pretty quickly. He's, he's, he's an interesting prospect, actually. I, I don't hate him, um, but, but he's very unusual. Like, this is not a normal profile. There's so many yeah buts in there with this is good, yeah, but. This yeah. is bad, yeah, but. Right? And, and it goes both ways. I, I want to try to paint both sides of the story as quickly as possible. I looked through my numbers historically. Here are the first-round prospects that are guys that were drafted in the first round as edge defenders that were below just say the 55th percentile. I use that as a, an arbitrary cutoff because it got some interesting players in there. Here are the guys that are that low. Um, Eric Armstead, who turned into a, quite the hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only had one year of data on him. So yeah, a little asterisk next to that. Charles Harris, was a, he was a miss by the Dolphins. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, and I think he's only low from a percentile standpoint because he opted out of his last year at Miami. Had he played, I think he would have been fine. But yeah, he's a miss by my model. He's become a very good player and a similar player to Tyree Wilson. Super long and all that stuff, right? Uh, the other two are Joe, Joe Tryon Shayinka from the Bucks, and then Trayvon Walker last year for the Jacks. So the hit rate's kind of hit or miss. If you want to say Eric Armstead and Gregory Rousseau, they hit the other five. Walker hasn't yet. Tryon Shayinka has not yet. Charles Harris did not. So it's like, let's say it's two for five, 40%. Um, that's just one way of looking at it. But then when I look at where Tyree Wilson's actual percentile in, is like actually in the 20s, there's no comparable as far as guys at that production level other than Eric Armstead. Um, the miss rate in all, and for that level of player from a model standpoint in all rounds, the hit rate is like 7%. That's rough for me. On the other hand, again, how do you manipulate that? You can use data to tell whatever story you want. I trust this data the most because it's the most data. As you start to parse it down a little bit and you say, well, what if we just took last year for Tyree Wilson? Of course, things look a lot better. Is that what he is? He's a much better pass rusher. You could look at last year and say he was as good of a pass rusher as Will Anderson last year, or close. Um, That's why people might have him ranked higher. The other thing is I looked at all of the players who did improve their pass rush production from college to the NFL. I mentioned this on the show yesterday. And they, it, it matches up intuitively. It is good athletes overall mm-hmm. who improve, right? It is guys who have a good 40, a good three cone, a good shuttle, and usually some, some length to them. So does Tyree Wilson at profile as an upside type of player? Yes. Yes, he does. But he also profiles as someone where the hit rate is so low that I think it's extremely risky in the first round. So for me, that puts him at five on my rankings. All of that stuff added up puts him at five. I'm not being contrarian. I'm not being a hater and all that stuff. I just don't want to be the guy to take Tyree Wilson in the top 10 to 15 picks. I'd be much more comfortable taking him where we did in our, or the mock draft the other day with the Jags grabbed him in, in the 20s. Yeah, he's probably the first of the players in this, this sort of group where I would be very, very leery about drafting him. Um, I'm reasonably confident about the next guys. And I, I think there's enough upside with Tyree Wilson, particularly relative to the guys that are following, that I'm willing to roll the dice. But the kind of the meshing of where I'm willing to roll the dice and where I think the NFL values him or where he's sounding like he's going to get drafted might mean that I'm just, if I was a GM, it's not a natural crossover. You know, I'm not going to be in the market for Tyree Wilson. 
Yeah, that's Unless pretty much. Slips, you know? Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. I mean, I texted you yesterday. I said, "Is he just Charles Amenehu? Mm. What is Charles Amenehu? He's a guy that has not been great against the run, but when you throw him onto a defensive line like the 49ers last year, we have all these other pieces, and then it's like, oh, he could play. He could rush from the interior. He could rush from the edge, and and it's just giving the offense a different look. This is a different body type." You have to – Drake Jackson's got burst, and Nick Bosa's just unbelievable. And, oh, by the way, you get this super long, uh, you know, tough guy to block. Yep. I think Tyree Wilson's a good piece like that. I don't know if he's a future star. On top of all that, his breakout season did come at age 23. So that's what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. All right, man. It was We spent a lot of time on those guys because I think they needed it. Yeah. Um, who's your – Six. Did you already reveal that? So six I have is uh, Felix and a DK Ozama, the Kansas State uh, edge rusher. Cool. He's my seven. Cool. So yeah. we're right in the a similar boat here. Yeah. This is quite guys. impressive, actually. We've been – I mean, Will McDonald is my one big outlier relative to you. But yeah, and McDonald's, been, and McDonald's my six. Yeah, we have the here. same top seven guys, right? Same top seven. That's correct so far. So what would you like about Anadike Ozama? He has an obvious pass rushing plan. Like you can see him work through a strategy. He almost treats it like a kind of uh, problem solving exercise where, you know, he takes what he takes a shot at one thing first, see how that works, goes from that one thing to the next thing based off, you know, failure or success. It's almost like those little flow charts, you know, D- does this yeah. work? Yes, no, go to the next thing. Like he, you can see him kind of work through. I think he has visibly less juice than a guy like uh, McDonald. Um, but he tested better than I expected from his tape. Like I, he was one of those guys where the numbers from his testing did not match up to what I was expecting to see based off just watching it. Like I think he's visibly less twitchy and explosive than some of these other guys, but he actually tested much better. So potentially has higher upside than I was giving him credit for. Um, he might have the best, like the biggest variety of pass rush moves, the, the, the most ways to win of anybody in this class. I just don't think he's as good as some of these other guys. Yeah, I, I wrote down about him. I don't love his speed to power. I don't think that's where he's going to win so much, unless I just didn't get to those reps. <laughs> but um, Gumby, he's your Gumby, Gumby Gumby guy. He's your Gumby guy in this class. He's the guy that's going to you know bend and contort and just find a way to get past the blocker more than anyone else. So it's not win because you mentioned, hey, he doesn't look like he's got the pure burst or anything like that, like some of the other guys. But I think he's got that um, ability to to slip off blocks and just get to the quarterback. That's good. Yeah. It's solid. We've seen him back into the first round. And yeah. If these other guys go, if there's a run, I could see that back into the first round. He is solid. I, I But I think that's critical is he's the first guy where you sort of look at and you go, yeah, I mean, he's solid. He's not great. He's solid. You know? And that. that I mean, honestly, I started that at number two. <laughs> I started at two. I said they're solid. But I think those guys are different in that – they might be solid, but they have potential to be much better than that. I'm not sure I see the potential for Felix to be better than solid. Yeah. I mean, most for me, all, all these guys are just in a, in a solid range. I'll say this. When I'm looking at um, model projections and all that stuff, anything over 90th percentile, the hit rate's through the roof. 70th, 80th percentile, it's all pretty much the same. Specific to edge rushers. Specific to edge rushers. Okay. 70, 70th and 80th percentile is all very much the same. And all of these guys, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, Will McDonald, and Odike Azama, all in a similar range. Mm-hmm. About 70th to 80th percentile, right in that same range. I think So when people say this is a, 
a deep edge class? I think it is. I think, but at the end of the day, just like you say, hey, four quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10, but we know historically only two are going to hit. Yeah. Edge defenders, it's like this top seven that we have, three are going to hit. Three or four are going to hit here, I think. You, and you can really see that in this class where it's like, I just, there's a big block of these guys that I simply don't think even have the capacity to hit based off their skill set. So I found myself in this really weird world where obviously really liked Will Anderson. Then I had a tier of guys that I think I, I can I can buy this. I get it. I would I would take the bet on these guys, that tier two I have. And then there's a giant tranche of guys where I'm like, I, I yeah, you know, yeah. I just I don't love any of these dudes. They're 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 okay. All of them. All of them are fine. And then we get past the guys, this this field of people that I think are just okay. Then we get into these really interesting projects that I'm fascinated by and absolutely love. I'm like, I found myself just entirely unenthused by the people that are, you know, reasonable size, reasonable athleticism, reasonable tool set, reasonable ability, reasonable tape. And I'm just like, this is just beige. This is just a giant swathe of beige. It's like, you know, the way when people sell houses, they're all the same color. All the walls are that like off-white beigey thing because apparently that's like the most neutral, inoffensive, bland color you can think of. That's like edge rusher seven through ten. That's your edge rushers this year, huh? Yeah, that's it. Um, so we both have him as uh, Felix's are seven. Yeah. All right, man. Who's your eight? The first of the beige. Now, my exception to the field of beige that is here is my number eight, who is just endlessly fascinating to me. Number eight is Keon White from Georgia Tech. Also my number eight. I, how have we done this? Uh, Keon White. So remember we had the whole conversation about what would happen if you drafted animals and put them on the football field? Yeah. That's Keon White. Keon White is what would happen if you took a bullfighting bull, right? Just slapped a helmet on him, <laughs> painted red on the quarterback, gave him the red practice jersey, except for him it means go get him, and just let him go. Just this rampaging giant human, six foot five, 285 pounds, with very little idea of what he's doing. But other than like, I must get to the quarterback, must get to him, must attack. And just like rampaging lunatic along the defensive line. It's hilarious. I love it. You paint a beautiful picture. I love this As dude's take. I went, how many snaps did I tell you I got through before he was like on the ground, on, on his feet at the ten, end of the play? Ten snaps. It was like eight consecutive snaps. He was on the turf. It's a little reckless. Incredibly reckless. It's a little reckless. But just like, you know, just like Van Ness and Murphy, power rusher. Power. Yes, sort of. Like, but it's just, it's like continuing the red rag to a bull theme. Like, you know the way like a rodeo clown can run in front of a bull and just take him completely away from the thing he's supposed to hit? Like, this guy is so sort of zeroed in on the red flag thing. Like, must get to the quarterback, must get, ah! That, like, a running back just can wander over and cut block him to the knee and take him out of the play without even, like, you won't even notice it's coming. It's, he's incredibly reckless, so laser-focused on must get to quarterback that, like, misses really simple, obvious things that are coming to take him out of the play. So he's also 24, right? Because we've got uh, COVID is sending all sorts of right. uh, middle-aged men to the NFL, basically. <laughs> so we've got 24-year-olds. Keon White and Will McDonald's 23-year-old Tyree Wilson. Um, that's one thing. Secondly, played tight end at Old Dominion in mm. 2018. Actual 
defensive end snaps. Actually, he's got fewer defensive end snaps, I think, than um, than who did I say? Uh, than Van Ness. It's a similar. It's in a similar range. But Keon White's up there in pass rush win rate. Also a very good, you know, solid run defense grade. There's a lot to like about him. He's been invited to the draft. Yeah. So is he going to go in the first round, Keon White? He's our eighth edge defender right here. Once again, will someone else have him in the top four or top five? Maybe. I mean, it's going to be a bunch of which type do you like and what are you buying into and what are you projecting him as? Yeah. Uh, but he, oh, So he's, he's got about 1,300 or so defensive end snaps. That's not a ton. That's not a lot of experience. Missed most of 2021 with injury and everything. So he's a bit of a projection, but there's some tools and some, uh, you know, and I, I will bear say, bowl, a bowl to work yeah, with. Yeah, I will say as the year wore on, he had more of a clue of what he was doing. Like you could see development throughout the year, which I think is probably important for a guy that's that raw and manic and clearly absent of sort of real polish. If you can at least see it developing as you go on, I was, I was quite encouraged by seeing that in Kadarius Tony's tape. Like he was talked about as being this like complete and total project and just an athlete on the field. But I think as his tape went on, you could see sophistication developing in Kadarius Tony throughout a very small sample size of playing a position. I think you can see that in Keon White as well. So okay, the age thing is not working in your favor, but we are talking about a relatively inexperienced raw player who has shown already in a small sample size the ability to improve and get better and develop like the things he will need to work on at the NFL level. So just a hilarious prospect, but one that I yeah. don't hate. Like I, I can absolutely be sold on Keon White. By the way, there's a, there's a comment in the chat asking why we hate Aid Adebayo. Uh, that's a different question, but we have not classified him as an edge for right. this ranking. Neither one of us. Um, we recall, we'd call him uh, a tweener. So we did not put him in this ranking. Had we put him in the ranking, he probably, you know, maybe sneaks into the top ten. I don't even like, think whatever. he's a tweener. I think he's just an interior interior defensive lineman, lineman that maybe moves around. And so we did not put we did not classify him as an edge for Yes. This. There are a few players in this draft who have that weird are they interior? Are they are they edge rushers? Do they fit somewhere in the middle? There's a guy later on, one of my sleepers, I have as the reverse of that. Uh I think he will end up inside and I think he's actually an edge rusher. Adabare, I think, though, is an interior rusher. He's a super undersized one, but that's what he is. I know he played edge rusher in college, but it was kind of like uh, senior bowl. He was more in the interior. Like yeah, that's where that's, just that's where, where they're really. That's just try what him. he's supposed to be. Like he was just out of position in at the college level. Um, Adabare definitely fits the. Uh, I want my heart saying yes, my data saying no. Right. Love watching him play and the whole deal. Uh, one more thing on Keon White. You mentioned he's on the ground a lot and everything. Just general contact balance, I don't think, is great for White and some others in this class. There is a lot of guys who are good at destroying blocks, but I don't feel great about them finishing plays. Those are those guys are tough sometimes because I think there's value in destroying blocks, right? And forcing sure. cuts in the run game and disrupting in the pass game. But you might not get as much finish from those guys. But Keon White's hands and He's a, such a strong striker. I don't, like when he yeah. strikes, he's going to win. If he doesn't strike, he's getting locked up, that type of thing. I don't think it's a balanced thing for Keon White, though. I think it's just he's so manic, out of control, and it's an awareness problem. Like it's a lack of understanding where the punch is about to come. Like, you know, if you're, if you're automatically off balance and not expecting a hit, the slightest touch can knock you off your feet. You know what I mean? He, he just has that the whole time where he's so laser-focused on like just must get to the quarterback 
that like a dude coming in from the side and just like popping him sends him sprawling to the ground. Like he he just doesn't see the hits coming in a way that he needs to. There's somebody somebody in the chat may have uh, may have your sleeper. Um, so Keon White is both of our eight. I might go off the rails here for the next couple. So he's my eight. Off the rails. Where's your who's your number nine here? My number nine is Tuli Tui Palato. Forget it. USC. We're both the same. We Come both on. have the same nine. How is that possible? Here's why it's possible. You and I both know that the data matters for edge defenders. With corners, it's all I've mentioned you know what types of players do you want here, but for corners it matters so much more type and style and what your eyes tell you. An edge, you can rely on the data and your hit rate's gonna go through the roof. And we both have the same data that we're looking at. Thule is a good, solid player, but a weird one as well. Yeah, and it's not that, because I didn't rely on the data that much. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> that was my so, answer. Yeah, I don't know how we've done that. Um, I, yeah, it, this is firmly in my just a guy tranche of beige players. Like, he's, he's fine. He's got... He's workmanlike. Workmanlike was a, a note I wrote for him. Just just keeps plugging away. Wins late a lot in the down. Yeah. You know, can play pretty much anywhere along the front. He's got some power. He's reasonably technically sound. He just doesn't, you know, just doesn't excite. He was he weighed in at 266 at the combine. He's young too. He's 20. Other end of this spectrum here. Hmm. Assuming my birthdays are correct. So he's 266. He was listed at 290 at USC. And he did play a bit of a hybrid role. He did line up quite a bit on the interior, more on the interior than, say, the, some of the other guys that we mentioned. But he could also win on the edge with some quicks and everything. He's got a little shake and bake to him and everything. So I, I didn't know – I don't know if he ever reached 290 or if USC was just like, oh, yeah, he's an interior player for us for the most part, just jack up his weight. But 266 seems like a reasonable playing weight, but he's not, as, he's not this dynamic edge rusher or anything either at that, at that weight. So um, – yeah, I mean he's a he's a solid prospect. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, I don't have a lot to Has, say about this group in the middle. <laughs> me neither, and that's fine. Let's just go through the rankings and some of the. To me, there's going to be some notable names missing from my list. Okay, and your list too, because we've only got one left. So who's? Uh, really? So I got. When was that? We're doing top ten, right? That was eight. That was nine. nine. That was nine. Okay. Gotcha. There's one left to get to ten. Okay. Yeah. So who? Uh, so Tuli's my nine as well. Yep. Who's your ten? B.J. Ojolari from LSU. From LSU, yeah. okay. Just tremendous. He did not make my list. Tremendously my list. beige player. Yeah. Like, he did not make my list. I did not like B.J. Ojolari. He's the classic, just a guy. He's, uh, he's young in football, too. Like, that's the thing you've got going for. You know, he hasn't played a ton of football either, so he could get better. Yeah. Uh, my 10, I'm going a little bit different here, I think. Going Zach Harrison oh. from Ohio State. Okay. Former five-star. <laughs> got to get the former five-star. It's just with, taking the, with the crazy 36-inch arms. I love the arm length, man. I like it. I love the dark green in my conditional formatting when I look at his arm length. Oh. No, but Harrison's – I think Harrison's a good player. Um, a good a good solid player. Do you have, do you have anything else on um, Ojolari and then I'll talk Harrison? No, like the, the bottom end of my top ten is a bunch of guys. Like they're firmly in my beige group. I actually – it's a little bit like wide receiver. That – I love the next group a lot more where it's like, hey, these are fascinating projects for one reason or another. Like they've got something amazing about them, like a glaring red flag. I just find it way easier to buy into that than a guy who's just like, like just okay across the board. But it's like, can that become anything at the NFL level? Probably not. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about – I didn't love Ojolari 
I know he's been everybody's had this back end of the first round rumor at some point I think if you're an edge defender Ojolari's had it as well I don't I didn't love him I don't think he didn't win enough yeah um I have a note who did he get shut down but he got shut down oh so when he went up against I had this note from last year Charles Cross the number nine overall pick from Mississippi State um Charles Cross shut down uh DeMarvin Leal Sam Williams last year I have you know some of their matchup notes BJ Ojolari went head-to-head with Charles Cross 55 times over uh last season and just did not win <laughs> did not win he won he won twice um so I had that note on uh, on Ojolari just doesn't have you know 38th percentile pass rush grade 37th percentile run defense grade I think Ojolari is just a massive massive projection basically yeah I I mean if if I was in the world of needing edge rusher help or defensive line help I would be interested in my first group this whole group of beige though I simply I don't think I draft those guys I just don't see the projection take him in the third fourth fifth round no I think I'd rather wait to the fourth fifth sixth round and take the guys I think that are like projects but have something to work with like some upside I just don't see the upside in this middle group where it's like I don't what is the purpose of drafting them? Like, is there any benefit to drafting a guy with this, like, ceiling of— Why does Ojolari not have the same upside as, say, your deep sleeper that's going to show up in the sixth? Because I don't think he has the tools that those guys have. Like, either those guys have incredible uh, pass-rushing sort of suite, but are missing size, right? Like, they weigh 230-something. And you're like, well, maybe he can put on some weight and we can work with that tool set, you know, and there's something there. Or they have, like, freaky tools— and need to be worked on in terms of, you know, finding a pass rush plan, like actually developing some some technique to this rather than just relying on crazy athleticism. Before the people in the chat go crazy when they say, oh, you you wouldn't draft him at all, that's just, there's nuance it's to that. You're, you're, saying it, you're saying it the same way I'm saying, which is like you only get seven players or yeah. ten players to pick, and you're not just going to, like B.J. Ojolari might be 130th on your vertical board, but there's certain players you just don't care to come out of the draft with. Yeah. That's how I feel, right? Like, like, I just wouldn't want right. to take them where they're projected to go. Therefore, I'm going to look at other players at that position to get later or whatever it might be. I also just don't think that they have the upside to be worth the selection. Like, it's not that I don't think other people would. Like, there are people out there that will value, like, the quote-unquote certainty of, like, an average prospect, you know? I'm not one of those people. I'm yeah. If I want an impact contributor... I'm going to take them in day one somewhere, day two, maybe like the high end guys. And then once I get to these people that I just don't think have that upside, then I'm just chasing projects. Like at that point, my entire day three, if I was a GM, would be drafting people that have something glaring missing from their game. But the thing that they do have, if you can, if you can give them the piece to put that back together, it actually makes them like a really valuable player. Like I would be drafting wild projects of various descriptions in day three, I would not be drafting the guys that like are reasonable at everything. You probably need guys who are reasonable at everything, but let's so. But that's <clears> like <throat> I can. Can't you just get those in free agency? Like those. The there's there's BJ Ojolari sitting out there right now doing nothing. You know the guys that are in the second contract have already shown that they're not really very good, but can play like 300 snaps and just take up space for you. I can get them later. I can get them in June. You know to fill out a camp spot. Like I just don't need them. Wow. 
Uh, Zach Harris harsh to BJ like the guy might be better than I think he is but like that's my read on him right now yeah and I mean that's your read on a whole bunch of other guys that are yeah him and you know the a bunch of guys that people have in this kind of range like Isaiah Foskey the Notre Dame edge rusher there's a whole bunch of people there's a whole bunch of guys that just missed who again Foskey's gotten first round hype at one point Andre Carter from Army has had um, first round hype I'm interested in your thoughts on Derek Hall if you have any Um, just to Zach Harrison's gonna be my 10 if you want to just finish my rankings up on the board there. Harrison, um, not to get into the arm length thing again, but like I made the note, when you watch him play, he just looks long and difficult to block, right? So that's the same thing that's getting Tyree Wilson selected in the first round. Now, Tyree Wilson's probably a much better athlete than Zach Harrison, who just doesn't you know move laterally at all. But when we talk about adding to my defensive line with different difficult to block body types, I think Zach Harrison has that. I think he can move interior, you know, play uh, play uh, on the edge really well against the run. Uh, straight line burst is actually pretty good. So I like Harrison as a former five-star, bit of a project who, you know, he's going to be a William Golston type and mm-hmm. play a bunch of snaps and exactly what you just described, uh, that BJ Oljolari, he's going to play four, 500, 600 snaps and yeah. maybe do it at a higher level um, than some of the others that you can get on the free agent uh wire and all that stuff so mm-hmm. I, like, I like Zach Harrison as a guy I just want on my team um, the guys that didn't that just missed for me it was Ojolari, Isaiah Foskey yeah right I can I get it but there's just a whole lot of nothing on his tape as far as rushing the pass I have a, a bunch, bunch of, of people who got who literally got the note just a guy and then I went just a, just a guy 1.0 just a guy 2.0 just a guy 3.0 I have quite a few of just the guys in this range where did you have Derek Hall because he seems like the guy and even Andre Carter both profile as guys that are not good in the run game, but could be really good pass rushers. 17 for Derek Hall. I didn't like him as much as some of these other guys. I He felt like a guy. Auburn, just, by the way. Auburn, Derek Hall. We yeah. could do better at uh, identifying players He here. struck me as a guy. He was actually my, my like watershed for a lot of these prospects, like if he was better or worse than Derek Hall. Derek Hall felt like a guy who only wants to win with power. Like just doesn't have an awful lot else in the tool chest. Wants to win with power every time. Not a lot of lateral to his move. A lot of straight ahead, linear. Those would play. My same notes on Zach Harrison. He kind of played like yeah. Marcus Davenport in right. college, just to run through people. Yeah, and doesn't. I didn't think he has the length to really struggle or really trouble like offensive tackles with his with his long arm. I just I didn't love Derek Hall's prospect. So let me. The chat was asking this. I think this is a reasonable point. I kind of crapped on the beige group and then talked up some of the other toolsy guys that I'm more interested in. So let me sort of run through a few guys. The the the, je, the just a guy people. Ojalari we talked about. Foskey was in that group. Get some, th- do you remember the schools? Do you have their schools? Foskey from Notre Dame. Uh, Derek Hall from Auburn was in that group. Uh, that's the sort of the bulk of the just the guys in this group. The Nick Herbig is a different category. I would have put him in my top eight or ten, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm, I love – Nick Herbig. Okay. Love him. So he was one after Ojolari for me. So he's number 11. I don't think he's really an edge. I, I think he he uh, he might be the best linebacker in the draft. <laughs> Nick off. Herbig from Wisconsin. The best off the ball linebacker. He might be the best linebacker in the draft. So not the same school scout, but Joe Schobert, edge to linebacker yeah. from Wisconsin. Zach Bond, edge to linebacker from Wisconsin. Nick Herbig can play in coverage. He can play in space. And he can rush the passer. He's just awesome at football. I want Nick Herbig on my team. I do think that his biggest concern might be that he just doesn't get the chance to show that he can do 
they can play edge. I also found him very weirdly one-sided. Like, every now and again, you get a player that's way better rushing off one side than the other. Herbig is really good rushing off the left side of the line and not as good rushing off the right side of the line. He seems to be able to... Uh, he can he can swipe and get round and turn the corner from the left and not really from the right. Uh, and he just doesn't seem to try from the right. I don't know if he just doesn't have that. I don't, for some reason, he doesn't seem to do that from the other side. So kind of unusual in, in that. But I did like him. I thought he was quite good. Um, I I thought Lonnie Phelps was interesting. Kansas. He was Kansas this year. Where was he before? The year before Miami from Ohio. Miami, Miami of Ohio and then Kansas. He reminded me of somebody, and I couldn't think who it was. He has this weird, like, dead straight back upright thing, you know? And, like, so when he goes down to the four-point stance, it's, like, arched back, like, hand in the turf. It's weird kind of look to him. Um, I was wondering, like, is it just, like, really short legs and a long torso? You know, we've had that conversation before. But he's got some moves. He's got some, like, real strength to him. Like, again, endless motor. When he gets it right, it's really good. I, I quite liked his tool set. I really liked uh, Nick Hampton from Appalachian State. He's one of my sleepers. Yeah. I, did I have him on my sleepers list, or did I just name him? I forgot who my sleepers were. Uh, uh, Undersized, but... He, he's one of my sleepers. Okay, yeah. so he, I really liked. We'll come back to him because he's on that. I kind of liked Byron Young, the Tennessee edge rusher. Um, really weird prospect. He has no clue what he's doing. Zero. Zero moves. None is insanely though athletic and twitchy and explosive and actually springy on a lateral like he he has that movement ability laterally where it kind of looks fake he's able to like weirdly spring without gathering himself just move laterally in a way that looks like the like video morphing and madden it looks like the video yeah. has been edited you know it's like this is not how a human moves um but just has no moves, no clue what he's doing. Almost everything where he, in terms of winning is just like running through a dude, winning with athleticism, a lot of inside stunts. The best move he has is that kind of ghost move off the edge. And again, seemed to be quite one-sided. Uh, but, but he's got an interesting story because he hasn't played a lot of football at all, but he's 25. So what do you do with that? He took time off in high school, like working a real job. Tennessee legitimately had just a whole bunch of middle-aged men on the field last year. Yeah. Uh, took time off in high school, uh, like worked a real job, went the JUCO route, has basically 1,100 snaps at Tennessee, ran a 4-4, 40, 1-6-10, 38-inch vertical, 11-foot broad, like explosive as hell. So again, like if you're like, what do I want to bet on in the low rounds? Dude, give me that athlete and put – if I have a good defensive line coach – Give that guy a year of like individual tutoring and see what we can create from that because the freaking like the clay is there. That tool set is insane. Um, who else did I like? I liked Andre Carter, right? We talked about this before with with Mike, the Army defensive end. He's got a lot of ability, but he's like uh, preposterously thin and and lanky and two hundred and thirty something pounds at like six six because. He was at Army, where you have to, like, run miles with a pack in your back, and you can't weigh 280 pounds or whatever. Like, he's got the frame to be— What did he officially—I'm I'm seeing him in, in the 250s. Did he weigh in lower than that? I thought it was, like, 230-something. His workout numbers were not good. Except the three-cone, right? Didn't he have an absurdly good three-cone time? Three-cone, 7-1-1, unless that's adjusted from pro day or whatever. But it was pretty good. But he was below was, average, vertical, broad, 40. It was one number that he got 10. really good at. Um, 
Cone was his best time. Okay. So I think it was the three cone that's good. But I, I, he feels like a guy went, that he's going to pack on like 30-plus pounds of muscle and be a very different player than he was in college, which was good. Like he actually has some pass rushing skills and some tools. But he's like the, he's the classic total project because you basically have to budget in like a total redshirt year. Like year one, he can't play because he's way too lightweight, literally cannot play. And that means you have to basically burn a roster spot on him because he probably can't survive in your practice squad. Someone will try and claim him. So you have to burn a roster spot for him for a year before you get anything out of him. Then year two is figuring out, oh, once you've packed on 30 pounds of muscle, now can he play? So it's the fascinating sort of project element of him. Um, yeah, he didn't make a ton of plays. He did struggle in the run game, did not make a ton of plays in the run game whatsoever. Last year, Carter had an excellent pass rush grade, got a lot more attention this year. Looks so much bigger than everybody on the field, too, yeah. in Army games. Just taller. He's so long. Than everybody. He's a lot like B.J. Thompson from, uh, where the hell was he from? Some... Stephen F. Austin? Yes. You got all the way to B.J. Thompson? I did. So he's another guy, a lot Impressed. like Andre Carter, where he was like, farcically body shaped, like six foot six, 240. Again, he's just taken a visit, I think, to the Bengals recently. Somewhere, again, explosive. He had really good pro day numbers, four six forty seven. 7.063 cone, but another guy that you're talking about like needs to add 20 pounds minimum of muscle, size, anything to be able to play at this next level. And the level of competition he went up against was just disgusting. But again, like what are the tools we're working with? I really like what he could bring to the table. Yeah, that's a good late round flyer type for sure. sure. Not so, one of my sleepers. So we had to explain a lot. I mean, there's a lot of players who are, are names. We're seeing guys like DJ Johnson from Oregon getting hype. And um, there's just there's a lot of names yeah. in this class. There's a lot of edge rushers. What do you have for um, sleepers? Okay, so my sleepers, I already mentioned one of them. Um, Appalachian State. Also one of my sleepers. Oh, there you go. Nick Hampton. Dude, how do we get the same freaking list for all of this stuff? That's pure grades. I'm model guy, Nick Hampton. Model guy? I yeah. didn't know he was a model guy. See? Carl Brooks, I see. Yeah. Carl Brooks is my other one. So he's my guy. That he, Carl Brooks, I have a great comp for him. You're going to love it. Uh, Carl Brooks is 300 pounds playing on the edge, right? So he's immediately, he's going to be a defensive tackle at the next level. I think that's a mistake. I don't think he's a defensive tackle. It's a 300-pound edge. He is. You know who my comp for him is? Who? Uh, Charles Grant. Remember the defensive end from the New Orleans Saints? Georgia? Uh, I don't Georgia. know where he played in college. But Charles Grant was a 290-pound, 4'3 defensive end, and it wasn't great weight, you know? He had some junk to him. And I think that's Carl Brooks. I think Carl Brooks. So he's, he's, he's not good inside. Like, he doesn't... The, the, the less space he has to work with, the worse he is. And the more space he has to work with, despite being 300 pounds, he's actually good in space. He has a variety of ways to win on the edge. He can also adjust and, and move around on the fly, despite being 300 pounds somehow. I think he's a legitimate edge rusher who somehow is 300 pounds. Look, <clears throat> Carl Brooks was one of my first uh, model identifiers. The, the data loves him. I mean, just... I mean, you don't have to go crazy. The PFF grades are excellent. Okay. Production's off the charts for Carl Brooks. Had one of the worst workouts of this entire cycle, mm. if not the worst. I mean, if you, you want to compare him to edge, let's, let's compare him to edges. Yeah, let's really do that. Quick. His percentile <laughs> rank against edges. Arm length, 11th percentile. That's not great. 40-yard dash, 
sixth percentile. Yeah. 10 yard split, 177, seventh percentile. Mm-hmm. Bench press, 28, 89th percentile. Now Nailed we're talking. It. Everything else, vertical, third percentile. Broad, seventh. 20 yard shuttle, first percentile at five flat. And then the three cone was 763, 13th percentile. <laughs> he was the numbers. guy, if he just had dead smack average workout for an interior defensive lineman he wasn't even there for that (laughs) just a dead smack average workout for that i'm thinking yeah this guy absolutely so i know the i know the tape matters and the production matters so that's the type of guy you you take a you take a late round flyer on but yeah i moved him to my di group oh yeah those are but the production profile is out of this world where's uh numbers where's brooks Sorry, my in my interior defensive line profile here, where would he be? Ninety something, something. Here he is. Yeah, he's still low. Yeah, one of the worst uh, combines, even for an interior defensive lineman. Yeah, I I mean, I, there's nothing to hang your hat on there, but I love his tape. I want him on my football team, and I think he's an edge rusher. Weirdly. Yeah, I could buy into it. Very uh, very productive player. Uh, my let me get to my sleepers it's a whole lot of uh pass rush upside type of guys Yasir Abdullah from Louisville okay uh, Jose Ramirez from yeah. Eastern Michigan I need to look at him again I liked his tape but I was also watching it in the fog of like apathy at the end of a giant yeah. session I'm like I know I'm not giving him fair credit at this point every time you throw on the Eastern Michigan film and they're at home do you hate have it. to hate it People don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they play their gray field, field is gray. Yes. It literally looks like you're watching something from the 50s. No, what it color. looks like is you see those things where people selectively color something, you know, the, where the picture is like grayed out, but somebody, oh, yeah. like they, something is picked out in color. They've grayed out the field. Right. So it looks like everything is grayed out, except the, the guys in uniform, when they're, particularly when they're playing somebody, you know, with weird colors or whatever, it's bizarre. It's like, it looks like your screen is broken. Um, I also threw so Nick Hampton, who you said, all these are all yeah, we're giving it away. These are all model guys. Abdullah, another guy that just incredible athlete. He's a he's kind of like a combine projection type of guy out of Louisville. Uh, also a little bit older. Hampton's production's off the charts, even though he's undersized. Ramirez, I, I don't know if he can handle the run game at all. I just yeah. kind of want him as a pass rush project. Um, and then I added uh, Viliami Fahoko from. San Jose State, mm-hmm. he's still technically – he probably has to be an edge as far as this group goes. I, lo- I love his snaps actually lined up over guard where he's rushing as a three technique, and I, I think he could be a you know, a move type of guy on the defensive line who's been incredibly productive as well. Uh, even though Pete Prisco's takes are all over the place, he actually yeah, – Pete had him on his uh, better-than team. Always a, a fun read there. But Fajoko is another guy. Workout was terrible, horrendous. Yeah. But uh, extremely productive. It's 6'4", 276. Just looking at Carl, uh, not Carl, Charles Grant's uh, measurables. and Are they similar? No, they were good. Uh, well, not good. They were significantly better than Carl's Brooks, except three cone, which was wretched. Charles Grant had a seven, come up with that? Seven, six, nine, three cone time, which is 10th. It's awful. It's bad. So that part makes sense. It's just if Carl, if Carl Brooks could only be slightly better at everything else athletically, he'd be a perfect Charles Grant comp. Tragically, though, again, like the Justin Smith thing, does that exist in today's NFL? I'm not sure you can be a 290-pound 4'3 defensive end anymore. I don't think it flies. No, probably not. 
Uh, let's talk about Nick Hampton, though, because I didn't know he was a model guy. I just he was one of my favorite players in this late group. Yeah, my whole uh, if this thing doesn't explode here. He 100% looks the part as a legitimate pass rusher, but is again freakishly lightweight. He's 236 pounds, and I don't know that he has the frame to be bigger than that. Like he's not, he's not like Andre Carter or uh, that other guy whose name I B.J. Thompson, where it's like okay. They're really lightweight, but they obviously have the frame to be 20, 30 pounds heavier than that. Like Nick Hampton is the same kind of weight and doesn't have that frame. So you're like, well, what, how, how much bigger can he get? The, oh, I want to talk to Houston guys for a minute because they're like the weirdest. But in this draft class, I looked at – so if I look at pass rush grade, I won't tell you the exact number, but it just say raw pass rush grade above a certain threshold before it gets converted to 0 to 100. Okay? Mm-hmm. The best guys in the class, not in not in order, but above this threshold of really, really good. Will McDonald from Iowa State, Andre Carter from Army, Nick Herbig from Wisconsin, Jose Ramirez, Eastern Michigan, Lonnie Phelps from Kansas, your guy there, and then the two Houston guys. Oh, where's um, – and Hampton's right there, sorry, and Hampton's as well. Nick Hampton from Appalachian State, and then the two Houston guys, Derek Parrish and DeAnthony Jones. They don't even make sense, but um, – Nick Hampton is up there from a pass rush standpoint. Uh, worked out pretty well. He is just he is a little undersized. He feels undersized. He is. When I mean, he's really, he is like, undersized. That's his only problem, it. though. Like everything yes. else is good. He gets around the corner really well. He can convert speed to power. He's got really good hands. Um, I think he's absolutely legit outside of size, which does show up sometimes. Like when he's when he loses, it's because he's not got enough bulk behind him. Um, a couple other points I would make about him. Number one. He drew quite a lot of extra attention. Like, relative to these other guys, there's, ex- there's running backs and tight ends on him the whole time, in addition to offensive tackles, like on a play. He might have seen the most extra attention of any of these edge rushers I looked at when I was going through stuff. Um, the other thing is, I really want to see him with his hand in the dirt more. Like, he played essentially a stand-up outside linebacker spot at Appalachian State. And I think he wants – like, you didn't see – the four six forty, the one six something get off. You didn't you didn't see that coil because he didn't have the starting point. You know he didn't have the hand to the ground to be able to burst off the line. I would love to see him play more as a wide nine. You know even if it's a situational role in the NFL, which is going to have to be two thirty six. Um, but just give him his hand in the dirt and let him use speed and, and explosiveness every year i just fall in love with the undersized yeah productive edge rushers but he's the he's the only one this year that i love despite like i there i don't i don't know that he can get bigger than that like andre carter um bj thompson they have to get bigger than that they can't play at 6'6 230 something they're gonna have to be 250 plus and they have the yeah. frame for it hampton get him in there and try to you know, see what they can do. Yeah, like Hampton is 6'2". He doesn't have that frame. He does. He's not lanky, big, long. He's going to have to play at like 240 and make it work somehow. So based off my latest uh, consensus board rankings, if you look at the Hori board here. <laughs> you have a legitimate clipboard. Yeah, I got a clipboard. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have my Hori board updated most, and laminated. This is the most old school thing I've ever seen. Here's what I would do. Call in plays going to call plays. It's particularly good because you've left the label on it. They don't do that in the NFL. Somebody takes it off for them. Oh, yeah? Clipboard. There's a la- oh, yeah, there's a label. Yeah. Got it at Staples. Uh-huh. Probably for a buck. <laughs> um, I would look at Nick Herbig in the fourth. Oh, right? so like rounds on him. I yeah, like so it. like where would I grab these guys? 
right? Mm-hmm. Where would I where would I take some of these guys? Nick Herbig in the fourth, where they're like just basically where they're projected. Nick Hampton, consensus board right around the sixth, absolutely, and then Jose Ramirez, Yasir Abdullah, Lonnie Phelps from Kansas, your guy, yeah, in the seventh. Oh, 100%. I mean, if all those guys are available, that's where they're kind of projected to go. Thomas Incum from Central Michigan. I didn't mention him. He could be a good. There are, and this is why. This is basically what you're saying, right? You found these guys in rounds three through five, who it's like, or maybe even a little bit higher. It's like I don't, I just don't feel great about them there. But I'm seeing guys in round six and seven, yeah. where there's something to work with, and that's way more intriguing than some of the the mid tier options. Yes, 100. percent Like if your choice is. Do you take a B.J. Ojolari in the second or the third round or in the fourth? Or do you roll the dice on a guy like Nick Hampton late in the draft, sixth or seventh, or even Lonnie Phelps, sixth or seventh? Give me the latter two, like 100%. I just think that's a better bet to make, right? I mean, that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to do. Which is the better bet. And that's what I'm, you know, when I'm trying to reimagine the draft here, I'm I'm trying to say where would, which round would I take these guys? There are, there are, my t- every team does this to a point, right? Here yeah. are the guys I'm targeting in these rounds. It's effectively what the entire conversation is. I mean, that's, that's what we're doing here. Did you have thoughts on Yaya Diaby from Louisville? Um, I do- yes. So he, okay production. Yeah. Good size and all that stuff. Okay uh-huh. production, but he's one of those, uh, has the profile to improve. We'll yeah. say that. So, okay, production model really likes him, like likes him as a, as a good prospect. So I where would I, I? Yeah, he's probably my best fourth round option. Best with, fourth with, round with option. Nick Herbig. So I wrote down that he is the guy. If you're looking, and this happens every draft, if you're looking for the dude that didn't have tremendously good tape but has like a Danell Hunter athletic profile, and you're like, who's the next Danell Hunter? You know, the guy that you take doesn't have the college production or tape or whatever to back it up, but like has the athletic profile and the physical tools to be a high-end player at the next level, that's him. Yep. Like he's the dude. Um, because I just I didn't see much at all from his tape. Like didn't see didn't see the athleticism for a start. Didn't see the juice. Um, I, I kind of wondered like, even if he was better as an inside guy. Like he works best from in, interior alignments or from those head up over the tackle type of situations. Uh, I, you know, maybe he was a player sort of outside of his era. Again, like the Justin Smith kind of conversation. Would he be better in that old school three-four defensive end kind of world that doesn't really exist anymore? Um, but with that testing, I I don't love that for him because I just didn't see enough on tape. But somebody's going to like that as a gamble to take, and I get it. I hinted at this earlier. Let me just try to explain it really quick. I isolated all of the players historically who have improved the most at the NFL level. So I'm trying to rethink upside here, Sam, and either confirm priors or or rethink it, right? <laughs> yeah. What's confirm like you can confirm priors that the the players who improved the most at edge were the better athletes. So I looked at the guys that improved the most and the guys who regressed the most from college to the NFL as far as, you know, production-wise. And the guys that improved the most had far better um, we have our own combine scores here at PFF. Their combine scores were through the roof better than the guys that didn't improve. Um, they had three cones that were three-tenths of a second better than guys that didn't improve. The shuttles were a little bit better. 40 time was about uh, you know a tenth of a, uh, of a second faster. So 
uh, arm length was a little bit longer, all of that stuff. So at this particular position at edge, my point, I, th- I think my point is with Yaya Diaby, he hits all those thresholds of can improve. And there's other players where I think you want to weigh production too, but if you're looking for upside guys who are going to improve their production, you can draft athletes above a certain profile. Yaya Diaby, I think, is one of those guys. Yeah, I, I mean, think just it's just an interesting way of using data to, to figure out where do you spend your day three picks. Those are Because that is one of the biggest debates in draft rooms as well. Yeah, I think those are good gambles to take. Like the, the day three picks to me are you either – you're either going to take these guys with very limited upside and are just sort of met across the board. To me, it's like, what what is your favorite gamble? And I probably would would split my gambles between athletic freaks that don't necessarily have the tape and guys that have insane tape but don't necessarily fit the athletic profiles. And I hope that you hit on some combination of the two. Model like, guys. Take model guys and, and model athletes. That's what I Yeah, think. model guys or model athletes. Because, like, you know, the our guy uh, – I've hit both. I've hit either side of that in my sleepers, right? We've got um, Carl well, Brooks. Carl Brooks, right, right. crazy production right. and awful measurables, like catastrophic measurables to the point where you're like, this cannot function at the next level. But I love that dude's tape. Or you, you know, take a look at um, Nick Hampton, who's got elite production uh, and – or sorry, elite um, – elite measurables and elite production but just missing something you know missing the size just for fun i want to talk about the two houston guys really quick okay because um the data loves like they're really really productive players Derek parrot and they're completely different Derek parish listed at 6'2, 245 he's got like the shortest arms and wingspan by about eight he's eight inches below the average wingspan eight inches seven inches sorry and four inches below the average arm length. average arm length at edge so he, you always say, this guy looks like a child. I and mean, he looks like a little child rushing the passer and just wins. Okay. Right? Derek Parrish. So, I mean, he's not – he's on the consensus board. He's like UDFA, basically. 327. Um, and then you have DeAnthony Jones, who's 6'2", 270. And his production's off the charts. But his comp- – so in my, in my model, 95th percentile production guy – 0.6th percentile combine guy. 0.6th? 0.6th. Like, so basically second worst out of anybody that I've, maybe <laughs> the worst that I've, that I've even seen. His cone, 772. Ugh. Shuttle, 459. He ran a 51240 with a 10 split of my record, basically 179. I was a 183. I was a 183 guy at my best. Um, that's, pretty impressively not good and even for like a bigger huskier guy he doesn't have good you know length or any of that stuff they were just fascinating because both of those guys were unbelievably productive with completely different body types and athleticism measures that just the nfl's not even going to look at them but they're fascinating because it's fun parish had a six seven six three cone time that's yeah i mean he's a linebacker i mean if you're bringing him into the nfl he's, he's he's a linebacker um, and every year I also get enamored with, here's this guy who was a edge rusher. You move him to linebacker and he'll be a blitz weapon or whatever. Right. And there's a couple, like Frankie Louvu is like the yeah. one. Yeah, there's a handful of those guys is, who are actually used around the NFL. Oh, who was the guy? Damn, I'm, I, I shouldn't even bring this up. I can't remember his name. But there was another undersized edge rusher that just never was never going to get a shot to play edge rusher. That we, like, in our data? Yeah. The Oklahoma like, guy? Striker. Yeah. No, not him, but the same Sutton idea. Sutton Smith. Yes, Sutton Smith. Became He's now a fullback. fullback. Yeah. But he was like 6'2", 215 or something. Like, you know, like Northern the, Illinois, Sutton yeah. Smith, yeah. 
Is that who is that Parish? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, basically, except Sutton Smith's grades were even better. I mean, he was off the charts. And he was good. even smaller. And he was yeah. tiny, absolutely yes. tiny. But yeah, that was great. A lot of fun. All right. Your edge defenders. Done. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Now, here's the deal. Tomorrow, forget Rogan. Forget Barstool and their whole series. Forget McAfee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is the biggest podcast in the history of the medium. In the medium. This is bigger than Aaron Rodgers showing up to announce nothing. It is. Aaron Rodgers is going to show up and talk about the darkness and speak in, you know, talk in circles and the whole deal. I like this because so the people that didn't hear the first thing, you know, of of how you undersold it, you have to big it up. Like the Rogan, Joe Rogan would always tell you this fight is the greatest fight that's ever yeah. happened in the history of humanity. I'm learning. This fighter is the greatest of all time, the greatest human to ever live. You know, that's Rogan's sales pitch. So you need to go, you need to go loftier. But if you didn't hear that the first time, you would just think you're overselling this, you know, which is clearly not what's happening. Nope. It's a, it's an average sell. Because that's, you know, Ben, Ben Stockwell messaged me. He's like, I feel like you're overselling it with this tease. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. Does Ben know what's actually happening? Has he gotten word? I think so. Yeah. But he didn't like, he he didn't hear obviously the first part where I was like, no, you're underdoing this. You need to go bigger, go loftier. In business, you tend to want to undersell, over deliver. Yeah. Not, not in podcasting. Nope. Podcast. We're going to oversell. Oversell, under deliver. We might, we might under deliver. We'll see. But let's say tomorrow's Friday show. If you're not normally a Friday show guy, because I'm not there. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. Steve won't be there. I'm not tuning in on Friday. I'll be here. You're back. I'll be back. And it might be the biggest. It is the biggest podcast Mm -hmm. in the history of the media. We're going to need extra chairs. Ones that work. We're going to need extra chairs. Yeah. That's it. Uh Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for the the big, the big show.